Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Greg Rich Ministries podcast. We're so excited. We have a very special guest. We have Larissa Brown here joining us. She is uh, working with Life Impact International. And Larissa, thank you so much for joining us. And we're really excited to hear more about everything you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, Larissa, you know, uh, we've heard a lot about what you guys are doing. And are you currently in Thailand or where are you? If you're able to tell us, where are you currently located? Yeah, I'm currently in Thailand right now on the Thai-Myanmar border. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I, we, t- Tanner and myself, we, we've been able to visit Thailand a couple times. And uh, I know that you guys are doing an amazing thing there. And we, we just wanted to hear a little bit more about what you're doing. And so who is, uh, who, who is it that you are working with right now? Yeah, so I work with an organization um, called Life Impact International. We are set up and we have um, our organization set up in Thailand, Myanmar, Brazil. Um, We have our offices in the USA and um, we have a nonprofit in the UK and soon we'll be starting Australia as well. And so going international. Um, Our founder is Lana Vasquez. Um, She's a Ray McGrath. And I met her when I was 10 years old, when she was a Rama student. She was my Sunday school teacher. And so um, she's been out here, gosh, over almost 20 years. I think maybe a little bit over 20 years. And so, yeah, I came out here in 2009 and I've been serving alongside with her. So she's my spiritual mama. And so I'm working. I see her on social media a lot and going around and speaking places, but I know you guys have several different kind of locations that you're operating in. And my wife, Lorena, she actually went and helped uh, in it, at the Life Impact in Brazil. Um, okay. so you guys are starting some things there as well, but your, your main focus, at least right now, your main thrust or your push has been in Thailand. How long have you guys been there operating as an organization? Lana, she came to Thailand, I believe in 2002, around that time. It was, um, actually, I'm sorry, it was around 2000. Um, so she came, yeah, she came out here and she's been serving on the, in Thailand for that long. She started out first um, south of Bangkok in Supanburi, and that was her first prevention home, she, the work she did down there. And then a few years later, she moved to Chiang Mai. And she was had a she started a home up there. And then after she served there, the Lord told her basically to move to the border town of Thailand and Burma. And so, yeah, she's been making waves out here for a pretty long time. Yeah, yeah we, we've been hearing a lot about what you guys are doing. But just for to give people kind of an overview of the, the scope of your project, what is it that you guys do specifically in Thailand and Burma and, and the different areas that you're in right now? Yeah. So our main focus is we are rescue home. We rescue children um, that have been exploited and victims of human trafficking. And so that's our main, our main vision, our main purpose, our main goals. So we, our mission is we say prevent, rescue, heal, prevent those um, who are at risk to be trafficked. So that could be children who um, come from single parent homes, who suffer abuse, orphans, um, like the children in the begging rings and stuff like that. So prevention is our first work. We go all throughout um, our our areas, um, our nearby cities and stuff like that. And we do prevention work where we try to, if we can, we try to keep children together 
with their families. Um, so we try to reach them before the bad guys get to them, basically. And so we go in, um, you know, we, we work with these families and we say, you don't have to sell your children. You don't have to send your children away. Like we can support you with food rations. We can teach you a life skill. We can disciple you. We can get your children into school, um, give them school tuition, whatever we can do basically to keep families together. That's our first, um, that's our first step, our first priority. We've started migrant schools and the different migrant communities. Um, and so we have a team that goes out literally every week and, and does work with these families, just trying to keep them together. So that's our first step is prevention. And then also as well, you know, if, you know, we find children in situations who are just really at risk, then we'll rescue them before the bad guys get to them as well. So that's our prevention project. Second would be rescue. And that's when we actually have to go in and do rescues. Children who have um, been trafficked um, either down to Bangkok on our border, children who've been trafficked into the begging rings, all, ki um, all kinds of situations. And so we rescue those children. And then last is HEAL. And so that's our long-term aftercare program. Um, that's the part that I more oversee. And so that's once they are rescued into our homes, they, we have um, what we call the promised land and it's over 25 acres. We actually, we have two lands now. So we have our girls land and our boys land. So all together be around 50 acres of land. And on there we have what we call family style homes. And so it's not one just big orphanage where they're all living together. We actually built up different family style homes with a mother and a father um, nationals here and they and they have their biological children they take care of our rescue children and it's just like a beautiful blended family where they can live in a home where they have a mother and a father a father who doesn't abuse them a mom who won't sell them just for a bag of rice but parents who will love them they're all all of our house parents are believers most of them have gone to bible school and they just want to serve god and they said they feel god has called them to take care of this next generation and so it's just beautiful and so they live in these family style homes. We send them to school. They have, so they get education. They're fed well. But the most important is that we are able to introduce them to Jesus. We always say, we're not your rescuers. Jesus is your rescuer. He's the one who rescued you, gave you a life, and he has a purpose for you. And so just introducing them to Jesus, disciple them, discipling them. It's like a mini Bible boot camp, we call it. It's where they just get to know Jesus. And then our our, our, like our mission statement, we say, change a life, change the world. We believe that, you know, if we can change just one, one of their lives, that they have the power to go out and change the world. So we raise them up to know God, love God, and take God to the world. So. so amazing. What, what a work um, that you guys are doing. You know, Larissa, the first memory that I have of you, I was really young and you actually um, you were in high school around the same time as my sister, and I remember you guys played basketball together. Um, so I want to ask you, you know, you're, you're from Oklahoma here. Um, you spent time here. You said you, you went to Rama. How did you get to the place that you are now? What led you there? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I remember, I remember you from back in the day and playing with Emily. Um, so I grew up at Rama, you know, that's my home church. Um, my parents moved there um, in 80, 87, I believe. And so literally my mom, while she was her first year in her first year of Bible school, she was pregnant with me. And so, um, so I, literally I'm a Rama baby dedicated there and just growing up in the church there. And like I've mentioned before, Lana, she was my Sunday school teacher when I was 10 years old and I met her that way. 
And she just kind of took me under her wing. And so that's one thing that I just loved about it. It's like um, being able to go to church and finding someone, you know, who just really wanted to invest in me and, and to pour into me. And she said, like, God just like highlighted me to her and said, like, this girl's going to do great things for the kingdom. And so, um, but, you know, I wasn't always just like this, you know, person, oh, yeah, I want to do missions. That wasn't my dream, like growing up at all. I did love kids and I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, but as I was growing up in high school, you know, I didn't have a really strong relationship with the Lord. I was out doing my own thing, um, out in the world, like just doing my own thing. And I would say when I, right before my senior year of high school, I just felt like everything, like I just hit rock bottom and I was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Like, you know, like I said, I grew up in church, so I kind of got used to that, you know, and then I went out into the world you know, and wasn't fulfilling, you know, and so then I just um, had my comeback to Jesus moment, you know, or actually Lana, she was the one who led me back to Christ. Um, right before my senior year, she came back from Thailand one time, and she just took one look at me, and she's like, your life ain't right, you know, you need to, you need to get together, and so she ended up leading me back to the Lord during that time, and um, like I said, I've always, I always knew I wanted to work with kids, and so my thought is I want to be a school teacher, but after I gave my life back to the Lord um, during my senior year, I was just really praying and seeking God. Okay, God, what are your next steps for my life? And I knew I'd still be working with children, but I felt the desire like to be a teacher that that was changing. And so just continue to seek him. I had no clue what it would be or what I would be doing. The next steps he gave me were to go to Rama to go to Bible school. So I did that. And um, after my first year of Bible school, Lana called me and she was like, hey, like, I really want you to come out to Thailand. I want you to see what we have going on. And actually, at that time, she didn't have a, a children's home at that time. She had handed over her first home that she had started in Chiang Mai. She handed it over to another missionary couple. Um, and so she was just basically evangelizing. And that's the one thing about Lana. Is she is an evangelist. Like she preaches all over the world. She's gone into the Burmese like military and preached the gospel there. You know, like she's gone into Pakistan, like when there was like bombing and all kinds of stuff. So she is an evangelist at heart. Um, so anyway, she called me. She said, I want you to come out, just see the work we're doing. And so I just prayed about it. And I knew like God was like leading me in that direction. So I came out for two months, had no idea what I was getting myself into, like, and no thoughts of like, okay, long-term I'll be a missionary. But I came out and by the time I got out here, she had just did her first rescue of her first girl for the home that we have now. And basically this girl, she was um, sold for $28. Um, and what happened is Lana was doing a bit, she was planning to do a big crusade here on our border town. And when she got here, everything was just falling through, like nothing was going as planned. And so her and her team went to a nearby uh, cafe and they're sitting down just trying to plan, okay, what are we going to do next? And this little girl, she was eight years old. She came up and she started begging for money. She said, teacher, teacher, I want money. I want money. And Lana said, no, I won't give you money, but I'll give you food because we don't normally give money because, you know, the traffickers will just take it or whatever. And so um, she said, I'll give you food. And so um, she gave this little girl food and this girl said, 
a giant, she said, teacher, teacher, follow me back to my house. And, and Lana just felt in her heart. She said, you need to see where this girl lives. You need to go with her. You need to like look into her situation. And so she followed this little girl back to her home. And she said it was the worst thing she had ever seen in her life. And um, she's, it was like, basically like, the the most slummest area in all of Thailand and so she went there and this little girl um she um she's talking to Lana and then the mom came out and she said that's my daughter and she said in a few days she's going to go to Bangkok and Lana said why why are you sending her to Bangkok Lana already knew but she was just trying to see where the mom was at and the mom said she's going to go work there the money that she makes they're going to send back to me and Lana said no you can't let her go you can't let her go the mom said it's too late I already sold her and she's had sold her for about 800 baht which is uh, around 28 dollars and so Lana said whatever I'll have to do I'll do it so this little girl doesn't have to go and the mom said you're going to have to give me back the money that because I already spent that money on alcohol so she's like you're going to have to give me it back so that I can pay back the traffickers and so basically Lana did whatever she had to do to get this little girl and that was her first rescue and so and back to my story how I got got to this point well I I get off the plane and Lana is like you're gonna go I I I arrived in Chiang Mai and Lana's like you're about to go on um a five-hour drive through the mountains, like the most curviest mountains. I've never been out of America before. But <laughs> I've never left home. I was eight, 19 years old, never left home, never left America. So she's like, you're going to go on a five-hour drive up the mountains to the border town of Thailand in Burma. I don't even know. I've never even heard of Myanmar at this point. And so um, I, I go up with another missionary, and we pulled into this house. And it was a two-story wooden house. Um, and at that time, when we arrived, all the kids were sleeping. So at that time, Lana had rescued 10 kids by that time. And so the next morning, I woke up and I heard these little voices just worshiping God, like just singing their heart out, worshiping God. And Lana had only started this home like two months prior to me getting there. And like, but they were just worshiping their, like their hearts out. And I just remember crying and saying, my gosh, like these kids who came from the most horrific situations like I remember like that morning seeing kids like with bruises and markings like on their body of like people beating them you know but they're sitting there like worshiping their heart out to God and so throughout that time I just like started falling in love with the kids and everything and so basically during that time during my first trip um I was I was just praying and seeking God still like okay God what are your next steps for me and then um he actually brought me um into Burma during that time I got to go into Burma and again, we um, had just started an orphanage in, in Burma where Lana was able to rescue over 40 kids um, during the Cyclone Nargis time. And again, just hearing them, their hearts worship and cry out to God. It was during that time, the Lord said, you're going to move back here full time. And so that's how I came here. So I went back and finished my last year of Bible school. And right after I graduated, Lana flew to America for my graduation. She got me on a plane and I came right back. So long story short. Yeah. Oh, that is amazing. And I love the fact that, you know, you weren't a specific age. You weren't, you know, 30, 40 years old, but you were 19, you said, and mm-hmm. when God called you. And so you were able to start making an impact at a young age. And so that's something we love to tell our listeners is that you don't have to be a specific age to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same for you no matter what your age is. You don't have a smaller version of the Holy Spirit just because you're under a certain age. And so 
you know, Larissa, she was led by the Holy Spirit to go and to, to reach these people. And, you know, Larissa, something I love is that Lana kind of, she pinpointed you, she saw you, she pulled that gift that was, you know, out of you. And that's really essentially what you're doing now in Thailand and in Burma is you're just kind of continuing to, you know, the things that were given to you, you're, you're starting to give to other people and pull these people out. And, you know, something here in, in the U.S., it's hard for us to even understand that concept of someone, a child being sold for $28 or like you said, a bag, you know, a bag of rice. Um, that's just, that's, you know, it's so hard for us to grasp, but that's a reality of where it, you know, where you're working. And so I'm sure that's not just a one-time occurrence but that's something that is probably happening all the time. And, you know, we really want to give people the opportunity to get involved with what you guys are doing. And so, you know, not only in prayer, because we know that prayer is powerful and makes an impact and it changes lives. And, you know, I just want to encourage you guys to go ahead and follow Life Impact International on social media because they are all the time listing prayer requests of, of things that you can agree with them in prayer. But, you know, Larissa, what's one way that people can get involved even financially to help you guys and, and to continue to fulfill what you're, you're called to do there? Yeah, for sure. Um, we, if you go onto like any of our social media pages or our website, um, there's uh, different ways to get involved. We have multiple projects going on all the time, whether it be like our prevention projects that we talked about, you know, keeping family together, supporting our actual rescue home. Like a lot of times people don't realize how much it actually costs to raise just one child. Like when we started rescuing babies, our budget literally went up a hundred dollars a month, you know? And so each baby, so it's expensive to take, to raise children. And then also like, just all the work we're doing, like we have a big staff, national staff based here, you know, here and in Burma, Brazil, all around. And so, you know, just being able to get involved to support the ministry in those different ways. Um, you can support our work in Brazil if you'd like to, um, like we said, in Burma. So there's all of our different projects going on. And so they're continuing to expand. They're not just staying in their area. They're making a huge impact in Thailand and in Burma. They're also going to Brazil. And like Larissa said, they're going to Australia as well. And we just want to encourage you guys to get involved because even no matter what the amount that you can give, any little bit amount that you can give per month is going to help them continue to rescue these children. And we know that these children are important to God and he has a purpose and a plan for their lives. And no matter what it is that they've had in their past, no matter what their parents have told them their value is, God has a value that's been determined for them before the foundations of the earth. And that is that he, they are worth his blood and his life. And so, you know, as you continue to give to them, they're going to be able to continue to rescue children. And so, you know, Larissa, one question I had for you guys, I know you guys are obviously led by the Holy Spirit. Anytime you go into a new area, um, such as, you know, Brazil or Australia, but what are the, some of the criteria that you look at in these areas whenever you're, you're looking to start a new project? What are the, some of the things that you guys look at in the natural to begin a new project? Yeah, well, Definitely, of course, we try to target the most at-risk um, areas that would be for human trafficking, child exploitation, and abuse. And so here on our border, um, it's 
typically in the migrant communities. So like we said, like we're on the border of Myanmar. And so a good portion of the population here are Burmese. And but once they and so they're fleeing from Myanmar so that they in hopes of a better life. But once they get over to Thailand, they have no legal rights. You know, medical's hard to get, you know, just citizenship is extremely hard to get. So they have no legal rights for anything. So they are like the most targeted groups for exploitation. And so, um, I mean, we have the area that's like, it's, it's actually a garbage dump. It's, it's called Sky Blue and it's a garbage dump area. And there are so many like thousands of people who just squat in this garbage dump and that's where they're living. Um, and so it's areas like that, you know, we have, again, along the border, um, just like the migrant communities. And so a lot of times in these poor communities, those are going to be the communities that the traffickers target because they know like these people have no ways to fight for themselves. They're uneducated. Um, they're poor, you know, and so they're looking for means to an end. And a lot of times they can get tricked into situations like the traffickers will say, if you will, we'll find a job for your children and then they'll be able to send the money back for you. But then normally they never hear from their children again. And so it's usually going into those poor communities for us um, and us. And then we build relationship with the people in the community through our prevention works. And then we're able to rescue out of that. People get to know us, they start to trust us. And so when, you know, when the traffickers come in, like we have a hotline that they're able to call our rescue team and our prevention team. And so we're able to go in and traffic them. But usually it's some, it's the most poor, like poor and migrant communities that we focus on. A lot of people may not realize. Um, I, I want to ask you, Larissa, how many people in the areas that you guys um, do the work actually have heard the name of Jesus? Is it is it a popular thing? Is is Jesus even recognized, or is it different? Yeah, I would say um, they say Thailand is about one percent Christian, and so hearing the name of Jesus is very slim to none. Um, it's usually in. It's Thailand is overall a Buddhist nation as well as Myanmar, but, um, you know, um, Islam is rising very much so. And so those would be the main two religions out here. So the name of Jesus is not heard like very seldom, you know, to none. Yeah. And, you know, Tanner and I, when we were there, if, I think it was like 10 years ago, Tanner, nine years ago, we were talking with people on the street and we just mentioned the name of Jesus. And, you know, in America, Larissa, you probably know, people at least know G the name of Jesus, usually through, you know, Christmas, whatever it is, they, they've heard the name, but we were on the street and we were introducing Jesus to people and there was legitimately people that had never even heard the name. And so what I love about what you guys are doing is you're not only rescuing these children, but you're teaching them about Jesus, about what he's provided to them, about who they are. And so it goes beyond just rescuing them. It's about setting them up for success in life, you know, going forward and teaching them who they are. And, you know, the, some of the things, you know, I know you kind of mentioned some of the homes, but and, uh, you know, you give them a father and a mother, these homes that they're in. But, you know, some of the what are the some of the practical ways that you guys teach them about the gospel and, and teach them about who they are and also just in, in just practically in schooling and everything like that? What are the some of the, the ways that you do that? Yeah, that's probably my most favorite thing to talk about. Um, so, I mean, like we said, like it's like a Bible boot camp here at Life Impact, you know, just teaching them like, again, who they are about Jesus. So what we do is 
we, um, they have worship every single morning before they go to school. <laughs> they, before they line up to get in their trucks to go to school, they do worship together every morning. And then, um, and then in the evenings, they typically do worship like family devotions in their family groups. And so it's more one-on-one, you know, just as a family growing together in Christ. And then one thing I love is every single Friday night, we all join together corporately and we have like our big worship service. And then, and it's amazing because um, just over the years, I've been able to disciple our, our teenagers, our young people. And so now they're the worship leaders and it's, it's, it's so powerful. Like the presence of God floods the room every single Friday night. And and many of them, they want to go off and study, you know, how to be worship leaders and stuff like that, like in ministry school. Um, and so they're leading worship, but what we do is, so we'll worship all together. And then after that, we're able to separate into different age groups. Um, so according to their age, so we have about six different age groups from, you know, our preschool all the way to, to our young adults. And, um, I love it because I studied children's ministry when I was at Rama, And so I've been able to incorporate that. And so being able to teach, you know, Miss Amanda, your mom, uh, Tanner, she was one of my teachers. And so she's helped me a lot throughout the year. So basically taking those skills and training up our nationals, our house parents and teaching them how to teach children and youth. And so that's another way we disciple them. We've also um, been doing this for years. We have our youth outreach program and to where, again, we teach our young people how to share the gospel and they love it. And so it started off with our Christmas programs, which we call Christmas in their hands, heaven in their hearts. And we take our kids, they go into these, all these different communities that like all the communities that I said, we rescue kids from. We take our rescue children, bring them back into those communities, and they, te- they preach the gospel to their generation, basically. And so they go in um, and they preach. So, yeah, it started with our Christmas programs, but then it grew. They're like, we don't want to just do this at Christmas time. Why can't we do this every week? And so we go in week after week preaching the gospel. It's, it's been slow since COVID, of course, but before that, we were going literally every single week. And then, and watching them preach the gospel um, has just been incredible. Um, and then, um, aside from that, you know, just um, with our supportive projects teams and everyone like that, you know, just going in constantly bringing the gospel into the different communities. So yeah, and now we have a lot of them raising up. They want to be pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and so yeah. That's amazing, and they're going to be, uh, you know, taking steps into their callings and going to be reaching a, a whole new generation that, you know, you and I maybe wouldn't be able to reach. But Tanner, I'm sorry, I maybe I've cut you off, but I wanted to. Go Larissa, ahead. I was I was looking at a video the other day. I saw you guys do some sports outreaches and things like that as well. Um, yeah, we try when we can. Um, well, we like to bring different communities onto our land. And we like to do different, um, we've done different Christmas programs where we've brought in, in other children's homes, you know, other children's homes who maybe don't have the amount of resources that we have um, that don't know Jesus. And, you know, like just a way of showing love, you know, to them as a love act, you know, we'll do a big Christmas program to them, but they love sports here. It's like, you can't do an event without not having soccer you know, or football as they call it here. So we bring them in and that, yeah, do a big sports outreach with them and share the gospel with them. And it's a, just a great tool to minister to them. You know, Larissa, you kind of mentioned that there had been probably some challenges with the, you know, COVID-19 and coronavirus and everything. And so how have you guys been able to handle that? Have you been able to kind of do business as usual or what have been some of the restrictions and, and 
kind of ways you've handled that during this time? Yeah, it's been pretty off and on, I would say since April. And so April was the first time we had to go on lockdown. And because we are a government recognized safe home, like we get word from the government, they're like, your kids have to basically stay inside. And so can you imagine the kids not being able to go out? They said, can you please just put us in a truck so we can drive on the highway so we can just see outside, you know? But, um, and so we were on lockdown for about three months, but we are blessed. Like I said, we have 50 acres of land. And so they have enough running space and we have fish ponds. So they went fishing and all that stuff. But um, so that was, I say the hardest part for that was that our house parents, they haven't been able to go on vacation over almost two years now um, they haven't had a break and then during those three months our staff that live outside of our promised land they weren't able to come in um, but then things picked up again so the kids have been able to go back to school normal again you know since then and then we'll go on we went on another lockdown in January and then it opened up again February and so it's been pretty off and on but I would say the main thing is that we haven't been able to have teams come in um, so that's usually a big part of our ministry is bringing teams in. Um, so, yeah. You know, something I, I, I love is the fact that you guys do have that acreage. You do have that area for those, those children to go. So they're not just stuck in this one building, you know, but, you know, I know you guys, if you go to the Life Impact International website, they show several different projects that they're working on and that they're, they're really putting a focus on. Um, but Larissa, do you guys have a project that is just like the forefront of your mind right now, something that you're really pushing for just so that we can kind of get the everyone that's listening on board to kind of rally around? Is there something that you guys are really pushing towards right now? Um, what we are really pushing for right now is just being, just growing to be self-sustaining. Okay. Um, you know, we want to get Thailand to a place where we can really just utilize our resources that we have here, whether it be agriculture programs, starting a chicken coop, you know, um, just different programs like that to get self-sustaining. So that way, you know, as we expand into other countries, other nations, you know, if Thailand is self-sustaining, then we can be able to focus resources and our funds to the other countries and stuff like that. So our self-sustaining projects that we have going on. So guys, we, we want to encourage you, you know, this is an amazing project. You are helping save lives, literally lives of children that are going to grow up and going to be able to share the gospel. There are pastors, evangelists, apostles, teachers. There are gifts in the body of Christ that are being trained by what Life Impact International is doing. And so we want to encourage you to get behind them, you know, not only in prayer, but financially become a partner with them go on. We'll put the link on the website here and, and get involved with what they're doing. They have amazing people like Larissa and other team members and, and nationals there from Thailand and Burma that have partnered alongside and have said, this is something that I want to get involved in. And so, you know, we know that the gospel being spread to all the world cannot be done alone. It's done you know, as the body of Christ reaches hands and joins hands together. So we want to encourage you guys to get involved and, uh, you know, help any way that you can um, so that they can continue to do the work. And, you know, just like Larissa said, they want to get Thailand and Burma, they want to get them self-sustaining so that they can continue to reach and 
grow this project into all the nations because this is not just a one country specific problem. This is an issue that's happening all around the world. And so they are a, a key part in what God is doing to help rescue these children all around the world. And so we want to encourage you guys to get involved in any way that you can. And, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to cause tremendous impact throughout the generations to come. I was thinking, um, back to kind of your story on how you got to where you're at now. And, you know, you mentioned that you always had a, a passion for children. You always had that, you know, I want to help children and you tried to do it your own way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of have a similar story where I had a passion for something, but tried to do it my own way. I think there's a lot of people um, out there that have that, you know, I want to do this. And it, you know, it's a God given thing that's on the inside of them. But really, it took somebody else to kind of help you see that yeah. and help you step into that. And so anybody that's, that's listening, you know, Larissa has done a lot of work for the kingdom of God in just a, a short time. I mean, we're, we're young. We're, we mm -hmm. still have a long life to live. Yeah. And think about all, all that you've, I saw a post you've been, you've been there 11 years now. Yeah. Wow. That's 11 unbelievable. 11 years. So, I mean, and think about that. It could, it could have been until now where you just finally realized the plan of God for you and, you know, stepped into helping the children, but you've been able to do so much in 11 years. And so it's so important that the people around us in our lives that we see have a gift or, you know, maybe it's music, maybe it's children, whatever it is, let's be the ones that encourage them um, to follow after that so that we can, like Josh was saying, link up together and accomplish what needs to be accomplished in the kingdom. And, you know, Larissa, I just wanted to kind of give you the opportunity because I know you were really young when God called you and, and kind of reached out through Lana to go to Thailand. But, you know, if you can just give an encouragement to somebody that's young, that maybe doesn't, they ha they feel like they have a calling, but they don't know where to start or how to just jump in. If you can kind of just give an encouragement to those people. Yeah, I would say, of course, prayer. Yeah. You know, really praying out, okay, God, what is your, what is your perfect will for my life? You know, I know, um, so during that time, my senior year of high school, like I said, I'd lived in the world, I did different things. And I, my prayer was just like, and honestly, what got me to that point of praying was I had a teacher in my senior year, and they were like, you need to know your five year, your 10 year, your 20 year plan. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, God, I, you know, like, I don't even know, like, what you want me to do in my next steps. And he just said, pray, just spend time with me. I'll reveal these things to you. My, my plans for you are good. He's like, I know I have a perfect will for your life. So I just started to pray out like, okay, God, just take me step by step. And so that's when he led me to Rama, And then he led me to come to the mission field. And, you know, I remember, honestly, after I came back from my first trip and I was just so excited about Thailand. I was like, I'm going back to Thailand. And people would say, well, you don't have to go now. Like, why don't you wait? Why don't you get married first? Why don't you do all these other things? And I'm, and they're like, you're going to give your best years to that. Like focus on like starting a family and all this stuff. I'm like, my best years, my best years, I want to give to God. Yeah. Like, why would I wait? My best years, I want to give to God. He's calling me now. Like, I'm, you know, I want to walk in his plan and I'm going to trust in him. And yeah, it was scary, you know, young single missionary to step out in those ways. But I just knew like, no, I want to give my best years to God and knowing that he's going to take care of me. So I would just say just trusting in his word, like and walking out in faith 
And that's taking that step of faith and just knowing that he will be faithful. And I know that every single desire, every single dream, you know, that he's promised me, like many of them have come to pass. And I still hold on to faith that everything else that he has promised me will come to pass, you know, but, and then I always say, I'm living my dream. Like literally, like, why would I want to put that on hold? I get to live my dream. The thing that he called me to do, I get to live in it now. I don't have to wait until, I didn't have to wait till I was 30 to come out here. You know, I get to live in that now. And I think it's been so neat because now that we've raised up, you know, a generation now, I'm seeing our young people who are now in their 20s saying, I want to serve God. I want to live for God, you know, and it's like, you can do that young, you know, you can start young. And so I just say, just trust in him, you know, seek God, seek his presence, be in his word. He will reveal the plans that he has for you. And then once he does trust in it, don't hesitate, you know, trust in his word and step out in faith. And, you know, Larissa, you know, your step of obedience is inspiring a whole new generation, which is awesome to think about. And so guys, we want to encourage you your step of obedience, whatever God is calling you to do, you're saying yes to him is going to cause a whole generation of people to be inspired by the move that you're taking in obedience. And so like Larissa said, she didn't have to wait until she was 30 to answer the call of God and start making an impact in the world. She said yes to him at 19 and she's been making a, a, a tremendous impact all around the world. And so you don't have to be a certain age. You can say yes to him today and begin making a tremendous impact all around the world. So guys, we just, again, want to encourage you, get involved with what Life Impact is doing around the world. And Larissa, we just want to thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope to, you know, possibly get you back on sometime soon and talk, give us some updates on what you guys are doing. And again, how people can continue to uh, get involved with what's going on. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to talk to you guys. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Larissa, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.